Happy day to you, everyone, and also welcome back to the podcast. Katie and I are really excited about this conversation that we're going to have regarding the trials that can come in the Christian life, the ups, the downs, the things that were kind of promised through Scripture, how we can be overcomers through those things, and how we can oftentimes, I think, make them a bigger deal than what they need to be. Uh, and so it's the conversation that I think we're both going to learn a lot from, and it's it's an ongoing conversation. I don't think we've come to any hard and fast conclusions, but I know it's been a really interesting thought exercise for both Katie and myself throughout the last week. And so I hope it spawns some some challenging thoughts for you and for your household, and maybe you can come to some conclusions on your own. Hey. I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship-rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. are coming off a big weekend mm. and I felt like this just happened on the podcast. You're right because it, it was only about a month ago. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. The, my sister Kelsey came up and recorded so many piano lessons yep. for Votberg Music Academy and then this weekend she was like all, I mean, Elisha and I, I think we're thinking of like recording piano too in January sometime. Yeah. And she was like, okay, I'm, I'm booking my flight like two weeks after <laughs> we finished filming Piano One. And we're like, really? Okay. So it was awesome having her up here. And yeah. it's cool. It's done. Yes. We recorded cool. a bunch more lessons for Piano Two, like more intermediate pianists or intermediate to advanced, actually. I was sweating bullets <laughs> looking at what Kelsey was I teaching. I actually am kind of mind blown with how quickly <laughs> her lessons progress in complexity. Because I've but, been editing all of Piano 1. Yeah. And then I haven't even seen most of Piano 2. Yeah, yet. you're going to be blown away. It'll be awesome. But I feel like what's also cool is we're starting to get feedback from students. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I'm kind of shocked that they're doing the lessons. Like, they're keeping up with the lessons. Oh, yeah, they're doing really well. Yeah, like, they yeah. sound really good after yeah. two weeks. I'm just yeah. like, what? Yeah, I've been really impressed, too, with all the kind of the recordings of people that we've heard yeah so anyways it was but that said these are always really big weekends last time we filmed uh, we recorded us doing the podcast the weekend after and both my mom and my sister called me up and like you look really tired on the podcast yeah actually <laughs> but that's i'm funny. actually feeling a lot more energy this time because we were a lot more prepared yes. and yeah, we ate a lot better teamwork and all that. Yeah, overall, yeah, you you look good. You look healthy. You've been taking care of yourself. and yeah, uh, I don't feel like strung out. Right. That was also the week before Elisha's surprise birthday, so he didn't know that. 
but I had like three days to prepare for a surprise birthday. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of weighing on me. Yeah. Anyways, none of this pertains to you guys. So we'll move on. Oh, you were going to tell him about your light phone. Yeah. I mean, this is a thing that's kind of new to me. I know many people are doing various, I guess, uh, people are trying to figure out their hacks to not being so consumed by their smartphones. And my hack was getting rid of my smartphone and getting the light phone. Many of you have probably heard of it. It's kind of the new thing. You know, everybody's talking about the light phone. Elisha walks around the house with his light phone and he's like, I feel like I'm a, what do you say? You don't say trendsetter, but you say. I think early adopter. Yeah, an early adopter. Yeah. I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it's it's an interesting, you'll have to Google it if you're interested in it because it's just a very like minimalistic uh, cell phone that takes calls, makes calls, takes texts, makes texts. And that's about it. And it's like it's like that black light technology, like the same technology as Kindles and that type of thing. Um, so, you know, it's not as hard on your eyes and that type of thing. So I was kind of confused when I first heard about the light phone. This isn't a, this isn't sponsored by light. Phone. <laughs> uh, like what makes it different than a flip phone? Yeah, you can do group texts on there. You um, I'm not 100 percent sure yet. I've only had it for well, like a week. Isn't like the keypad. It's a touchscreen. Yeah, so it's a touch yeah, screen. It's a touch screen, but it's not like a real, I guess, responsive touch screen. <laughs> it's the been, texts I get from Elijah yeah, are cryptic the, at best. I've been a bit surprised with how challenging it is to text on that thing. Uh, so, yeah, I'm still learning, but I am so grateful to be out of the smartphone life. Oh, you can also still listen to one podcast at a time. Yeah, right? you can like you subscribe, can subscribe to, one, to podcast. one podcast. So you guys, if you get a light phone, you can still subscribe to a <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Uh, I will say this too. I know we're like postponing getting and in, going in today's episode, but I will say it's been really encouraging to me uh, as I realized how much time I used to spend on my smartphone when I had it. Now I don't have it. And I'm realizing how much dead time I have. Uh, that are just those natural breaks in the day. You know, when you're getting gas and you're waiting for your gas tank to fill up or I drop Katie off at the grocery store and I'm out in the car waiting for her or whatever, you're just going to the bathroom and just these times that you used to constantly fill up with screen time, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and just bringing just so much information into your world and into your life that was not helpful. At least for me, it wasn't. You know, there was stuff that just was not pertaining to the immediate needs of my family or to my immediate needs and it was just kind of bringing an extra stress and um and and i mean part of the reason i got rid of the smartphone too was because i did it right you know right in the middle of of the election like a week or like two weeks before and that was kind of liberating we weren't gonna say that word election (laughs) people are all triggered now okay (laughs) maybe they'll think we're calvinists if i bring up election yeah there Um, you go oh man Okay, so let's just move on. Let's just on. get going. Let's, let's just, just get, get going. Yeah, yeah, come on now. <laughs> okay, today's episode. What is it, Katie? What We're are we talking, talking about? about? Okay, the title's going to be Being a Christian is Hard. And what we're actually looking at is, is that a true or false statement? Hmm. Hmm. And what parts of it are true and what parts of it are false? Yeah. Because I put out a poll on my stories and asked you guys, okay, what topics do you guys want us to talk about on the hmm. podcast? And one of you had a interesting perspective that really caused Elisha and I to start thinking hard about our own perspectives Mm. on Christianity. And that was, um, this person messaged and just basically said that, you know, they felt sometimes belittled by other people who said, well, your faith just comes easy to you. Being a Mm. Christian is 
easy to you. And of course, it's never fun to have someone tell you that something's easy when you're working so hard at it. Yeah. Right. But or then, even if it's just really important to you. It's yeah, never fun. exactly. But it, it just the way that question was presented made Elisha and I really pause to consider our own hearts and what we thought about the gospel and what we thought about being a Christian. Hmm. Do we think that it is hard? Hmm. And do we feel like we're working to keep our faith every day? Right. And so we don't want someone to be like, well, it's easy for you. Mm-hmm. And we're like, no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It is an interesting, like I said, thought exercise in, you know, you have to ask the question, what, it, what do I think it means to be a Christian? What does being a Christian look like? What is, you know, what, what, cause everybody kind of has, it seems like there's many answers to that. You would, you would think that there would be like a very simple definition, but even if you Google what is being a Christian or what does it mean to be a Christian, you'll get a plethora of answers anywhere from, you know, being a follower of Christ or being obedient to the Bible or just being a follower of Jesus Christ's teachings or being Christ-like in your actions. And just the list goes on and on. People say having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ or believing in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And so you'll get a bunch of definitions from people. And so I think first off, you, you kind of have to decide what does being a Christian even mean? You know, for like, not just for me, but what does the Bible mean? Because I the last thing I want to base my faith off of is, well, I think this is what it means to me. No, Mm -hmm. I want to base my faith off of what it means to God and what he intends for it to mean to me. And so I want to go to his word and discover and research it and try to figure out what does being a Christian actually mean? Well, I mean, you have me hooked. Do you have an answer for this? Sure. I mean, there, like I, I said, there's a variety I feel of definitions. Like there are a lot of good options you gave. Sure. There. I, I mean, think the best definition I found, um, it was, I think it was from, um, what are those, you know, those colleges in, in, in England, like Oxford. It was in, it was from an Oxford, you know, definition professor or whatever. And uh, he said, what does it mean to be a Christian? He says, trusting in the saving work of Jesus Christ. And mm. I think that that, to me is what, again, that's what I think that the Bible says. In fact, you know, this is what Paul says, because if you're going to say, what does it mean to be a Christian? Um, I think you're saying, what does it mean to be saved? Or what does it mean to be a follower of Christ? What, what do these things mean? And I think that this is kind of how Paul articulates it here in First Corinthians. He says, this is the gospel that I delivered unto you. And he goes, and if you stand fast in this gospel and keep believing this, then you will do well and you will be saved. And then he goes on to say, this is the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas and by the twelve, after that he had been seen, he was seen by five hundred all at once. And he goes on to say that if you believe in this again, then you will be saved. And then of course we know that, you know, Romans ten ten says that if you believe, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you'll be saved. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so I do think that it is believing in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now from that, does that spawn a lifestyle or are there Christian principles, Christian ethics and morals that come as a result of that? Yeah, I do think that all those things are true, but I don't think those things make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. 
That's good. And I think that that definition is so foundational to everything we believe about Christianity. Mm. And I think to like knowing that having that in our, in our minds is, is being a Christian hard. Mm. And there are so many verses. Well, I mean, I think the answer is yes. There are so many verses that talk about renouncing our possessions. Yep. You know what's funny is right next to that, I thought I put the reference and I just put 1413. Oh, man. So we, there's so, so many books in the Bible, <laughs> Katie. It's like 66. Go on a treasure hunt. Also, I need to correct myself. I said that's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, but it's 1 Corinthians 15 where he has that declaration of what the gospel is. Oh, good. I'll link it in the notes. Okay, if thanks. we make errors here, it'll be linked in the notes. I mean, we've already made errors. <laughs> okay. Uh, in Mark, Mark 835, it says that we should lose our lives give up all we have to gain the kingdom of God. There are so many different verses and different Mm. references that talk about this, but this is my perspective on Christianity. When I really started mulling this over, I think that if we have a perspective of Christianity is hard and every day I get up and I just try my best to be a Christian and I don't want anyone acting like I'm not giving this all I've got. Mm. Well, yeah, there is a price, but there's always a price. Hmm. And the Bible says in Romans 6:23, for the wages of sin is death. Hmm. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it was so fun to do a study this morning, just a topical study, I guess, and go through what is the hard that sin offers and what is the hard that the gospel presents. Hmm. And as you go through these verses, you see it's not a matter of hard and easy. The question is really life and death. We have life in Christ. Hmm. That is incredible. Anyone who's not experiencing life in Christ is experiencing a slow death Hmm. and I think a lot of us, a lot of the accountability that the Bible talks about, we're held to here on earth as far as our decisions, the cause and effect of our decisions. Sure. Yeah. Just the, the practical ramifications. Yeah. Like I think sometimes we over spiritualize this Hmm. and we think, okay, how's this going to look in heaven? How are we going to be judged in heaven? Right. You know, the Bible says that there's no condemnation to those that walk in Christ Jesus. But what if I sinned here on earth? In a big way, yeah, you know, after I'm a Christian, yeah, yeah, exactly. After I'm a Christian, I sin in a big way. Is that going to be brought up in yeah. heaven? You know, and, and I don't know what heaven's going to be like, sure. right? I'm not going to attempt to explain that. But what I do think is so important for us to know is not view viewing ourselves as victims as Christians. Like mm-hmm. we have this hard road to hoe this, mm-hmm. not that not that those verses aren't in the Bible, but we can take these burdens on ourselves Hmm. and kind of feel like we're doing this holy lifestyle Yeah, and act like, Oh, well, and that person over there who's being irresponsible is getting to do whatever the heck they want. Yeah. And they're, in their sin. Yeah. I mean, we, we get to hear about the joy of the Lord being our strength. We're told in second Peter that we've got all things that pertain into life and godliness. The spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. I think that's Ephesians that tells us that we are equipped with, it's literally God, the God of the universe has equipped us with everything necessary to live in a, in a way that's I think full of joy. And I, I even love when we're commended, you know, in Hebrews 12, 
verses one and two, when he says, wherefore seeing that we are also encompassed about with such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So if you just stop there, you're like, well, yeah, that sounds kind of hard. It says, you know, to lay aside the sin and the weight that so easily entangles us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Sounds like a lot of work, right? But then it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So as you're running, it's like he's the one that finishes it. He's the one that started it and he Mm -hmm. finished it for you. And then it says that who, so who, this is Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Christ was able to go to the cross because of the joy that was set before him, that joy in eternity. And Katie, like you said, I think you have to have an eternal perspective when considering your faith, when considering Christianity. If you're just looking for a self-improvement method or curriculum or religion for your life here on earth, it's going to leave you wanting and it's going to leave you very discouraged or it's going to leave you very self-righteous and pious and hypocritical. And you know, that, that word that nobody likes legalistic, you know, it's going to leave you legalistic. And so I think, and Paul even addresses that in first Corinthians, I was just talking about first Corinthians 15, where he kind of declares mm-hmm. what the gospel is. And then he goes on to defend the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses like 12 through 12 through 19, he kind of defends the resurrection. Because if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. And then he says that here in verse uh, 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. And so having this eternal perspective is I think a crucial element of our faith. That's why we come to Christ. We want this eternal security. And I do think that sometimes we cling to this eternal security, but we second guess all the blessing that living in the spirit has for us here on earth too. Mm. Like this is just such a vapor of time compared to eternity. So we don't want to act like this is, you know, the big stuff is here on earth. But I, I, we had a friend growing up who really had a hard time picturing, for instance, the thief on the cross, accepting Christ right Mm. away. Mm. and being like, how do they get to get into heaven? Mm. When I've lived my entire life from the time I'm a little kid saying no to all these things Mm. that the world had to offer. And and like I was faithful for so much longer. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of Christians can wrestle with. Yeah. But I guess I would say there is so much blessing. Like the child who put their faith in Christ was able to avoid so much death hmm. here on earth. And they were able to live, experience life in Christ so much longer than that person who just accepted Christ right before they died. And so I think it was just such a cool study for me to go through this morning and look up all these verses on what sin brings. And I will list them in the show notes, but like Galatians 6, 9, wicked shall reap corruption. And Ezekiel 20, 43, it says that the wicked will loathe their own deeds. It says, When you remember your ways and all your deeds with which you have defiled yourselves, and you shall loathe yourselves for the evils you've committed. Hmm. 
I think of Proverbs 7, you know, it may be a man who's being faithful to his wife because that's what Christ calls him to is like, oh man, that guy over there is able to go out and just do whatever he wants or watch whatever he wants. But it's like, I love the Proverbs 7 depiction of the strange woman because it says that he goes after her like an ox goes to a slaughter and he'll die like a, what does it say here? Like a, hold on. Just a second. Oh, this better be good. <laughs> he says he goes after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteneth to the snare and knoweth not it's for his life. Wow. And I think they're just... Or the end thereof is bitter. You know, her words yeah. are sweet like a honeycomb. Maybe that's in Proverbs 5. But the end yes. thereof is bitter. Elisha knows all these verses. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Proverbs twelve thirteen, it says an evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will escape from trouble. And in Proverbs 29, six, it says the exact same thing. The wicked are ensnared. Proverbs 12, 21, they're filled with trouble. Isaiah 57, 21, there is no peace hmm. for the wicked. And this is so different from Isaiah 26, 3, who says the Lord will keep him in perfect peace, hmm. whose mind is stayed on him. Hmm. It says, escape trouble, escape trouble, like no harm shall befall you. Hmm. The Lord always provides a way of escape yeah. in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I think of Philippians 4, where he says, with prayer and supplication, make your request be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guide and keep your hearts, guard and keep your hearts. Yeah. And Christ Jesus or Christ Jesus. okay, just one more Deuteronomy 28. The the first like 10 verses are on the blessings mm. of a life following after Christ. A, a 15 for like like two thirds or four fifths of the rest of the passage is all the curses mm. that you will experience. It's mm. like 10 times worse than all the blessings of walking in Christ. Well. Anyways, I just I think it's helpful for me to keep this perspective of Satan makes destruction look appealing, but what's the end? It's death. It's death. There's no, there's no life. There's no excitement. There's no lasting pleasure in what the world offers. That's right. And so therefore that is very hard. That's right. And there are a lot of things that you have to live with when you're walking in that path right here on earth and obviously right. in eternal eternally, yeah. I mean, eternally just like doesn't even match, right. but God's ways are contrary to our ways. And so they seem unnatural. Hmm. They're appealing hmm. to someone who has not, I don't know what the word is, but like who's got, who God, if God's not like working in your heart, hmm. it's not going to be appealing because they're supernatural and that's why they require faith. That's right. But I was telling Elisha, even when we were talking about this, about Stephen being stoned, mm. like he's being stoned right. for Christ. Is that hard? I mean, I'm assuming. Yes. <laughs> that's that, a lot that's of hard. That's a rough way to go. Yeah. And he had just joy right. shining out through his face. Yeah. Like the life that God offers, sure, it doesn't maybe look on paper real appealing well in fact it's we're kind of told the opposite usually you know here in this worth we're going to be pilgrims we're going to be passing through and and it says that the gospel is offensive so if you know 
ticking people off and having people disagree with the things you believe is challenging for you, which it is for mm-hmm. most people. There's very few people that just like get tickled when people think they're dumb and they're, you know, <laughs> believing a false gospel, you know, or false teachings. Elisha and I are, you know, raising our hands here. That's not something we like to do. We don't like doing that. It is hard for me to be at times for sure to be different from the world in the way I think. You know, again, we were just, you, and you see it through political seasons. You th- see it through election seasons where you're thinking, boy, the way I think as a Christian is so much different than the way of popular mankind, the way of mm-hmm. popular America or the popular world kind or whatever it is worldwide. And that is, to- we're told that. We're told that we're going to be looked upon as fools because the gospel is foolishness to them that are perishing. Mm-hmm. Do you have that reference? Is that um, First Corinthians? Boy, I don't know which one that's I think from. it's in like First or Second Corinthians because I did a whole study on those passages of just it not making sense. Right. Life in Christ does not make sense. It seems upside down, turned right. inside out. And so I guess if our value system is still the value system of the world, then we are going to think we've got the hard end of the deal. Right. Right. And I guess we just, that can't be our value system. If no. we're living a life in Christ, like we are incredibly blessed. Right. That's right. And you know, Katie just went through a whole list of like practical reasons to walk according to God's law, to his word, to what we've been called to as Christians. And I do want to kind of double back towards that mindset of looking at the thief on the cross and saying, boy, well, you know, he's going to go get the same inheritance that we're going to get in eternity. And here I have, you know, neglected all these desires or passions for all these years. And at the heart of that is so much Mm self-righteousness and pride to think that anything we've done, whether it's from a child or in our old, old age can measure up to the standard that God has set of perfection. He alone is good. And so if we're coming to the throne of God with anything to offer apart from the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. then we are coming with a false gospel. And in fact, you might not even be saved if you're coming thinking that you can add to the gospel. Mm Because to believe the gospel, you're believing there's only one standard that can be accepted before a holy God. And that is perfection. And that was accomplished by one man, Jesus Christ. And so check your heart. I know that I have to check my heart because I've a hundred percent had those thoughts in my life and thinking, Oh boy, you know, the thief on the cross did whatever he wanted to do for a whole life and lived a life of crime and then got saved. But I'm thinking, boy, that is me. Like I am saved from the exact same sin in my own life. And also if you are saved and you've been regenerated, you should rejoice when anybody finds salvation in Christ Jesus. Yes, that's so powerful. And it's the same thing looking sideline at another Christian who's maybe walking out. Maybe they're less mature. Maybe they believe different things about the Bible. Maybe the Lord's working in their life a different way. And as a result, they're living their life different than how you think they should be living their life. Mm. And I think this is something that especially when I was younger, I feel like the Lord has freed me from a lot of those thoughts now. But I used to think, well, I'm, you know, I'm the good Christian over here. And again, that's a self-righteous thought too. It's Mm -hmm. thinking that because of anything we're doing, we stand righteous before God. And I love that verse that just says the best that we have to bring is filthy rags. Yes. And that's for everybody. Yep. That's for every single person. Like our righteousness is nothing. Right in the light of 
Christ's perfection. That's right. And so just knowing that we, we come empty handed has really humbled me. Right. And just made me so grateful for the life that we get to live in Christ. Mm. And that's the thing, like if you're saved, we get to live this life in Christ. Oh, you know what? Another definition of being a Christian is being a slave of Christ. And I, I actually really like that definition too, because, and this is, I was continuing on what you were saying, Katie, you're a slave to sin. If you're not a slave to Christ, Mm -hmm. you are bound by the desires and the destructive lusts and passions of your body. You, you are a slave to them. You have to, you do exactly what they tell you to do. Sometimes you might resist for a bit or you might have some self-control here and there, but in the long run, you are serving yourself and you're serving sin. You're a slave to it. And Christ purchased us. I mean, we're told that in first Corinthians two, that you were bought at a price glorify God, therefore in your body. So you say, why do we do anything good? Why do we walk in a certain way? Because you don't even belong to yourself anymore. You were bought at a price to whom ye yield your members to obey. That is your boss or whatever it says in Romans six, you know? Um, and I think that that is sometimes that can break our brain. I know it breaks my brain sometimes when I think, oh boy, we're called to a level of righteousness. It says, be ye holy as your father in heaven is holy. You think, okay, well, that's only in Christ that I can be that way. But then even after Christians, we are told to walk in a worthy that's walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling wherewith we have been called. And I think of that paradox of, okay, we can do nothing to earn righteousness before Christ, before God, but because Christ is in us, we now live in a way in response to that. It's we're living out of what Christ has done for us. He's bought us. And so he determines how we live now. Yeah, a verse that goes along with that is 1 John 2, 3, and it says, And by this we know we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Mm. It's not we come to know him by keeping his commandments. That's right. It's we know we've come to know him because we're walking in a way that's different because we are different now. Yep. I just love that. Yeah, works do not bring salvation. Faith brings salvation, and from that comes works. Yeah, and that's such a simple concept, but... Every other religion out there gets it backwards. Yeah, there's always faith and works together. It's always faith plus something. And as humans, we feel the need to consistently add something to the gospel. Mm. Like even now, you know, us talking about our righteousness or doing good things for God or living out this hard Christian walk, thinking that it earns us some kind of salvation or place. And all those thoughts are just, they're, they're, they're misbelief in and misunderstanding, I think, of what the gospel actually is. So I don't think right. that we can revisit this concept enough. Right. And that we are saved only through faith. Yeah, I've become more and more aware even throughout this conversation of the errors that I have in my thinking around this. You know, yeah, of thinking, here. oh, it's it's hard when you, you know, are socially, do something that's socially awkward because of your faith. You know, we, we talk about, you know, walking out of a movie when there's something that we've just are like, that's inappropriate. We can't stand by that. Or you walk out of an event because there's something that you can't stand for as a Christian. And that you think, well, that, that was hard because people thought I was weird or I stood out. And then you start kind of pat yourself on the back. You're like, well, yeah, I'm doing pretty good with this whole (laughs) Christian thing because I just stood my ground. And that is the dilemma that we find ourselves in when we are obedient to Christ is that we can lead. It can lead to, feeling like we're adding to our salvation, which of course we can't. Well, I think ultimately it creates, if we go, if we don't keep a very big view of God, 
and we start to judge ourselves based on those around us. Mm. It leads to pride. Mm-hmm. And it says the, well, I, we keep saying it says, speaking a lot of Christianese here, I feel like on the podcast, but the Bible says that God opposes the proud. Mm. And, but gives grace. Yeah, but I'm just thinking, Elisha, like, if we have if we have a big view of God, we're going to be terrified of becoming proud wow. and walking that out because God opposing us... Well, it's the worst thing. That's, that's, it's just, it's kind of unfathomable, right. I think, right? because he has shown, shown so much grace, especially right. in this season, season of history. Right. Like, I haven't seen God strike someone dead for, you know, trying to steady the, you know, the... What is what was the thing? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, man, now now we're rabbit trailing. You know the temple? Uh-huh. It wasn't the temple before the temple. What did the Israelites? The tabernacle, or is it like the tent? Or the, the, yeah, the the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant. God said not to touch it. That's right. And it like tilted, like it was gonna fall oh, over. Yeah. And a guy reached his hand out to steady it. Yep. And God dropped him dead. Wow. I remember thinking that is so unfair, but God means business. And I think we haven't seen that in this stretch. Like in our generation, we haven't seen God's judgment be so direct. Yeah, his common grace. He's really, he's, you know, he's withheld his wrath for some time now. Yeah. Anyways, so I guess like kind of in conclusion, I get this going through all these verses and things. My perspective has just really changed to we have... When God says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light, it, it's a completely different paradigm. Like the mm. life we get to live that's so free of guilt mm. and burden and pain and brokenness. And in hope for eternity. And in hope, yeah, to yeah. be united with God forever is just nothing to compare with, the again, another verse that I'm referencing that I don't know the references, but it's like the pleasures of sin or sweet for a season yes isn't that crazy and you know i think oh death where is your sting or sin where is your victory where does i go death where is thy sting sin where is thy victory <laughs> we're getting into real uncharted territory yeah, maybe here. that's shakespeare not the bible no i'm joking Stop. that's in that's in the bible um but uh i you know that is the biggest fear man has here on earth is death the fear of dying and we are we know our place in eternity through christ and we can live in that confidence what a great way to live with that eternal hope Amen. So that said, being a Christian is just an incredible blessing. It is. Are you? Oh, yes. <laughs> incredible blessing. Wow. And we should just have hearts of gratitude, gratitude, I mean, and desiring that everyone else come to this and not have a heart of, I'm, I'm over here doing this good work. Yeah. Like, I feel like I should be appreciated for right. all this effort I'm putting in. Wow. Because. It's a free gift. God's done the work and it's yeah. a free gift. It's a free gift. And, and you think of that God opposing the proud and it seems like the thing that would keep anyone from rejecting the gospel and not believing it is pride mm-hmm. because you have to have the humility to say, yep, I cannot do this. I can't, I can't, I can't measure up. I can't live a good life. I cannot be good. I have to put my hope in Jesus Christ. You did it for me and you get all the glory. And also, if we're feeling that burden of being a Christian is hard work, then I think we need to consider, reconsider our perspective of, do we feel like we need to do this for God? Hmm. Like, is, do we feel we're earning our salvation, Hmm. I guess? Yeah, yeah. 
That's a scary or are thing. Are we doing these things out of just delight and joy for him? Right, because exactly. our, our actions as a Christian shouldn't be a burden to mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. They should be a joy and a delight. Mm-hmm. If, if we have a proper perspective. Yes. If we realize what transpired on the cross yes. and the life we now get to live in Christ. Yes. Yeah. Well, that was that. <laughs> that, was that. that was that. You guys hope you took something away from that and we weren't too confusing. Well, I can, t- I take comfort in the fact that you read a lot of Bible verses, Katie, because God's word never returns void. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Too. I'm sure we are, <laughs> our commentary, I'm sure it was all over the place and whether or not it was, you know, helpful or accurate, but I know God's word is so good and it mm-hmm. never returns void. And so if this spawns any curiosity in your brain to get you diving more and more into God's word, then I would consider that uh, time well spent. Absolutely. We love you guys. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.